Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Make some noise this morning for Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody shout out, His love, His love. is for me. Nudge your neighbor, tell him, saying, there's a little bit for you. <laughs> that, that, is, that is not a true statement. Every bit that he has for you is just as much as he has for them. Amen? That's the message of the church. That's the message of the church. Well, welcome to church. Welcome to Release City. Give yourselves a hand for being in church this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody like, what is this? Preacher says, Simon says, make some noise. Yeah, because I don't believe the church should be a dead house. I believe, it should be, I believe it should be the most happening place in town. I'm just saying. I don't think when, I don't think when Mary and, and, and Martha rolled up on the grave the day that he said he was going to roll away the stone and he would ride, I don't, think they, I don't think they were like, oh my, there's nobody there. Man, they, I, I just believe there was something that happened, something electricity that happened inside of them. And I believe the same thing should be for us at church. If you walk in here, walk out of here the same somber way that you walked in, that's your choice. At this house, that's your choice. Because we're going to bring everything we got for him, for him. Everybody say for him. him. Worship's not for you, it's for him. So that just settles the fact, I don't like those songs, don't know those songs. Those songs weren't for you. Those songs were for him. That was my heart cry, saying, yeah, I know, draw near. Was it like an eight-minute song? But that was, the, that, was, that was a cry. says, God, I draw near to you. I got I to gotta get away from all of this stuff that's been, that's been hounding me this week. I got to get rid of all these people, all these ne- I got to get rid of, and I got to draw near to you. Because your word says that if I'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to me. So if you'll draw near, you won't leave the same way you came in. Amen? Am I too much for you today? I didn't have a Red Bull, a monster. I'm, I'm, I'm just crunk on Jesus. This is, this, this is it. You should see me when I am on Red Bull. My wife said, don't get that anymore and then expect to get up and preach on Sunday. We got to be able to understand what you're saying. Today I'm kicking off a brand new collection of talks. I invite you to, uh, to take notes. I say this every week, but this one you're going to take notes on. If you don't take notes on any other message, take notes on this message, Okay. I want to speak to you for the next few moments and for the next few weeks um, from this subject. Let's go change the world. Let's go change the world. At Release City, we're not just, we're not just talking about, we're not just talking about uh, changing, we're actually doing it. Because we believe that we're not waiting on a move of God. We know confidently, confidently that we are the move of God. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. If God is going to do anything on the, yes, he can move the mountains and yes, he can do, but he is calling you and I. Hello, church. Welcome to church. He is calling you and I to be an extension of his hands and feet. We may not be able to go to Venezuela, but we were able to send resources to families, 100 families with products and things that they didn't have, everything was destroyed. Some of them lost loved ones. They're still trying to pick the pieces up of a broken and shattered heart, let alone the life and things and possessional things. Because of your generosity, we are making a difference. I just believe that God is gearing us up 
Not just to draw a crowd or to fill a room to entertain an audience, but I believe that he is calling us to assemble an army. When I look at you today, I look at this is, this is strategy 101. How are we going to change the world? Welcome to part one of that series. Because I just believe that what started over 2,222 years ago as a spark has become a wildfire movement called the church. And the baton has been put in your hands. And the only question that I have for you today is, what are you going to do with it? If you come to this church, we got a baton for everybody. We're all in this. This isn't where the pastor and his family carry the weight of the ministry. This isn't the, the, the de- deacons. We don't, we don't have deacons. Uh, we, elders. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not one group of people that are carrying the weight of the gospel message. It's all of us doing our part. Amen? Are you excited to be a part of a church that gives you something to do and engages you in the gospel message? That was weak, but that's okay. I hope you're going to come to life by the end of this message. Because your pastor is preaching way too hard. Then y'all letting on. Come on, somebody. Nudge your neighbor, tell them, say, wake up. Next, next week, Red Bull. Not for the pastor, but for you. Okay? Whatever your, whatever your coffee intake was today, I need you to grab about five more of those before you come in here. Amen? As my dad would say, come up to my level. Keep up with me. Amen. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but it felt good. Now I know why he said it. <laughs> Let's go to the book of Acts. See, the reason we're going to break this up into four parts, I'll try to slow down. I know some of y'all are like, wait, he is way too much. The reason that we're breaking this up into four parts, because I believe there is a divine order to changing the world. There's a divine order. We can't just run out here without a game plan and expect to go change the world. Before we ever put the Easter eggs on the field over there, before we ever load up Brody's semi and with bicycles, there's a game plan. And today is strategy day one. This is how Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Turn your attention to the screen. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Stop. We are not called to do what we're doing and what God is asking us to do in our own strength. He will provide the, he will provide the game plan. He will provide the strategy, and he will provide the strength. All he needs you to do is provide the yieldingness and surrender. Hello, church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me were everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, including the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. That's our call. That's our mission. Father, I thank you for this. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. God, speak to us through your word. Let us see your son clearly. And may we grab a hold of the mission that you have, you have for each one of us in this time. Speak now. We are listening. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. So let's just dive right in. Part one. Let's go. Change. I love that. Let's go. Some of y'all been here. You know where that's at. Let's go change the world. Where does changing the world start? Starts with you. And it starts with me. It's kind of it's hard to offer change to others if I myself have not been changed. It's hard to say God will do a miracle in your life if you're not willing to have faith and position and lay some things down and lay some relationships down and lay some addictions down. And, and it's hard to say God will set you free if you're not willing to let him do the th- same thing for you. It's hard to stand up and say God will heal, heal your marriage if you're still holding a grudge. Okay, let me just keep on moving. Everybody say healthy heart. 
I want to give you five components today in these next few moments to having a healthy heart. Question, how many of you suffer from road rage? Proudly? Huh? Some of y'all are like, I, I don't suffer from it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You go down the road, you go down 19, let somebody pull out in front of me. I wish a brother would pull out in front of me. I got something for him. It'll turn into dove season so fast, you'll see that window go down and something will go out the window. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Birds be flying everywhere. Y'all be like, I got to find out when Pastor B, when, where he goes and what his schedule is. I got to follow. I, I'm going to pull out in front of him just to see if he'll do it. Hey, don't test me. I'm part holy and part hood, okay? Yeah. Still waiting on somebody to get me that shirt. You'd be like, yeah, that's my preaching. So there'd be half of y'all be like, give it to him, Pastor B. And other be like, oh, dear God, Heavenly Father, please forgive him now. He's still working on me. Amen. So have you ever stopped to think how fast that those emotions come up? I mean, really, like after the emotions die down. Do you ever just have one of those moments you go, man, I, that was not me. My wife, if I ever, if she knows, if somebody pulls out from me and I go for the horn, she'd be like, mm-mm, mm-mm. You got a release city sticker on the back of your car. And you're the pastor. I know. <laughs> Some of y'all going to follow me home today. <laughs> yep, that's okay. Where does that rage come from? It comes from inside of you comes from inside of you that old saying when when you get squeezed what'll come out huh y'all remember that that saying just because this lemon was at our house just a few hours ago in a bowl next to a bunch of limes does not mean that if i cut this that it's gonna get lime juice hello just because you come in here does it and you get some jesus and it feels good hello Right? And just because you hang out with Pastor B don't mean when you get cut, how many of those people cut you? Mm-mm. When, when people cut you, just because you come to release, just because you're the pastor of release, doesn't mean when you get squeezed that you're going to have Jesus. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? Is it sour and bitter? Anybody want to drink this? But you'll serve it up to somebody else in your family. We're so full of acid. We're so full of... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not that preacher, but we are full of it. And we will squeeze us a little bit and say here, when actually we should be full of Jesus. And when we get squeezed, it's not our window rolling down and flipping birds. It's bless you. Apparently, there's somebody you needed, somewhere you needed to be much faster than I needed to get there. Amen? It starts in our hearts. That's where all of this comes from. That's where the anger, the bitterness, the strife, anxiety, and fear, it's because it's what, whatever you're feeding yourself, whatever dog you feed will be the dog that leads. Are you feeding your flesh or are you feeding your spirit? Proverbs 4.23 puts it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, that verse has been hijacked in the Christian dating scene circle for years. I'll never forget growing up. Dad would always tell me before I go on a date, Bradley Wayne, guard your heart. Brittany Nicole, 
guard your heart. Joshua Kenneth, guard your heart. Why? Because whatever's going on in your heart would, would dictates the direction of your life. Amen. See, we all sh- you, we used to use that guard your heart against jerks, right? Yeah. Right? Or, or, or women or ladies that will take advantage of your, your sincerity. But how about asking this question? What about guarding our hearts from anger and bitterness, comparison, gossip, and resentment? What about guarding our hearts from those things? See, because that stuff will kill you a whole lot faster than a broken relationship. Sure, break, breakups are tough. But anger will kill you. Slowly. It's a slow killer. Bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. It's a slow killer. And the only person that's sipping it up is you. It says guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. The direction of your life gets its coordinates from the compass called your heart. You may want to write that down. The direction of your life gets its coordinates from the compass called your heart. What am I saying? Your heart is the starting point. It's the most valuable thing that you have. We're talking about changing the world, but before we can go out and change the world, we got to be willing to say, change starts with me. Change starts with me. And I've just come today to tell somebody that there is no limit to what God can do in and through a healthy heart that belongs to him. Five components to having a healthy heart. If you're taking notes, I want you to do it this way. I want you to write heart, but I want you to do H-E-A-R-T. Wow, Pastor B can spell. Don't ask me to do anything bigger than heart. I can handle that one. But do it like H, and if you're doing it on your phone, taking notes on your tablet, H space, E space, A space, R space, T space. Okay, we're going to break this down. Five components. Component number one. Everybody say H. H. Hate what is hurting you. Hate what is hurting you. Now, that doesn't sound very spiritual, but I'm here to promise you. I promise you that it will. It is biblical. Psalms 119, verse 113 says this. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. This is David. I hate the double-minded. So he's saying it's not... It's not a person that I hate. See, see, we, the Bible says we're to love everybody, but that doesn't mean I got to like you. I may not like what you do, but I'm called and commissioned. Matter of fact, I'm commanded to love. Love. If we can't get the love part right, we need to stay in here for a while until we get that settled. Because you can't go change the world until you get that set in your, in, inside. He said, I'm not, I don't hate a person, but I hate the double-mindedness of that person. As a matter of fact, the Bible says a, 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 double-minded, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his way. We've been taught that hate is such a strong word, but I think it's, it's healthy to hate injustice. Come on, church. I think it's, it's healthy to hate what is evil. I think it's healthy to hate all the ways that the enemy is holding you back. This is the first component to having a healthy heart. To love what brings you healing and hate the things that are hurting you. And I'm here today to tell you if you have a problem with unforgiveness or forgiving someone, you're the one that's hurting. The night before Jesus was crucified, he had one final meal with his friends. We know it as the Last Supper. It was at that meal that Jesus had a sobering moment with Peter where he told Peter before the end of the night, you betray me Three times. And of course, Peter said, no, not me. Jesus, not me. 
I would, I would die for you. I, it's not going to be me. Matter of fact, he tried to prove it by cutting off one of the soldier's ears. Right? Where'd that rage come from? Even, oh, no, yeah. Even though he walked with Jesus, even though he was with Je- he saw all the miracles of Jesus, he still had something going on in his heart. What are you saying, Pastor B? You can come in here every time the doors are open, but that does not mean that you're going to be in a position where you're going to handle everything right. We were talking about packaging stuff. That's the package. We would think that if he's hanging out with Jesus, he should, he should have everything right. Listen, listen, church. You're not always going to say the right things. You're not always going to roll the window down and shout out, bless you, have a great day. You're going to let it fly one time or two. But Peter said, he said, I won't, I won't deny you. And that night, Jesus gets arrested. Peter ends up not denying Jesus one time, not denying him twice, but he denied that he knew him three times. Then in that moment, Mark 14 records this. 1472 records, suddenly Jesus' words, in the moment, after the last betrayal of saying, it won't be me, but I never knew him, (gasps) suddenly Jesus' words flash before Peter's mind, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me, and he broke down and wept. It was in that moment that Peter realized what he had done. I wonder, if it was, I wonder if it was Peter's hatred that night for what he did that ignited the passion. We're talking about the one who, who started the church that we're a part of today. Not really city, but God's church, big C. I wonder if it was that hatred. Remember what we're talking about, hating the things that hurt you? I wonder if it was that hatred that ignited the passion in his heart so strong that, would, that he would spend the rest of his life telling as many people as he could who had failed about the God who loves them at their worst. See, Peter walked with Jesus, but he still failed. That should give us comfort today, church. Only difference is Peter immediately, immediately felt conviction. I can't believe I did it. Let's keep moving. A healthy hatred is one of the greatest motivators for change. Hating what hurts, hating what hurts you. Some of you aren't living free because you've learned to tolerate the sin that is hurting you, and I'm here to tell you that you need to start hating that sin. You can't play with fire and not expect to get burned. Some of you need to stop hating being the victim that is holding you back. Feeling sorry for yourself, feeling good in the moment only leads to a lonely life. Your your anger feels justified, but more than loving the taste of anger, you need to hate what it's doing to your marriage. More than loving big opinions that you have. How many got a big, how many opinionated? Just want to be honest. Before your spouse points at you, go ahead and look at me. How many got opinion? Before, listen, before loving your big opinion, and I'm one. Right? I got, I, got, I got an answer for everything. Yeah? Instead, instead of loving your big opinions, you need to hate how small they're making others feel around you. More than love spending money, you need to hate the feeling of living paycheck to paycheck. You got to hate what is hurting you and hate what is harming you and start loving what wants to heal you. 
Heart, number two, component. Everybody say E. That's the second letter. Examine what's within you. All right, let's rewind the clock back to the Last Supper where Jesus was speaking to his disciples with a bit more urgency because he knew there, these were going to be some of the final words that he was going to speak here on earth to his friends, to his boys. So right in the middle of this very important moment, this happens. Let's read Luke 22, 24. Just write these down. I'm going to keep on moving. And it'll be on the screen for you. Right in the middle of Jesus having this heart-to-heart moment, a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. How many of you got siblings? Have you ever asked that question to your parents? And if you're real sly, like some of our girls are, have been growing up. See, I, I got to let you know that our family's not perfect so that you actually feel like there's, there's a chance. I just have a problem with pastors who paint this, man, we got 10 kids and they all, they all great. And they all love God and it's just amazing. But they go home and it's, they're, they're, the houses are a hot mess. But this is Jesus saying these last final words. And in this moment, his friends, his friends decide to start debating who's the best. Jesus, who's the best? Like, is this really happening right now? I can imagine what Jesus... Here I am. I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to lay down my life. And all y'all want to know is, can I be first? Psalms 139, 23 through 24 says this. God examined me. This is David. God examined me and know my what? Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Hot newsflash, David. He already does know your heart. Hot newsflash, Release City. He already knows the anxiousness of your heart. He already knows what's going on. He just wants you to know, will you be honest and admit, yeah, I got issues in my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any bad thing in me. Lead me on the road of everlasting. Essentially, what he's saying is this. We need to trade in our microscope of the sin, sin. Oh, man, yeah, they, they struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trade in our microscope for a mirror. Church. Trade your microscope in. Matter of fact, don't even have one. Take it back. Because when you hold the microscope over your spouse and lay down the mirror of what's going on in your life, come on, I'm trying to help some people out today. Trade your microscope in and, and examine what's going on. Hey, what's happening? A little gray. Some gray, some gray going on there. You know what we don't do? We don't like looking in the mirror because it shows all of our blemishes. I'll actually wake up Brush my teeth. I don't have to comb my hair anymore because so I, can, I can get up and you don't even know if I have bad head. There are times I've literally left the house and wondered what I look like. Like, did, did I even make sure the toothpaste got off, got off right here? Right? Why? Because we don't like to look in the mirror because it reveals to us what's really going on. Amen, but we're good at throwing the microscope on somebody else. Wow. We like doing it because it reverses the attention off of us to somebody else. I could, dig that, I could dig in that one right there just for a minute, but I, I won't. You can always spot somebody who's covering up their own insecurities because they're trying to put somebody else on blast. I said I wasn't going to go there, but I did. If you're really serious about examining yourself and allowing God to change some things in your heart, I want to give you a great question that you need to ask 
your immediate circle of friends. You ready? This is the question. Write this down. This is going to change your life. This is for your family. If you want to know, and you're really serious about changing, and you want to know what's going on, this is what you ask them. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Talk about being self-aware. I don't know about you, but outside of a mirror, I don't have a clue what it's like to be on the other side of me. In this series, we're talking about changing the world, but it has to start with the man in the mirror. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Wondering what if he'll what? Change his ways. You may be sitting here today thinking, I'm good. I'm a good friend. I have to ask, how do you know? How do you know if you're a good friend? How do you know? You don't know. You've never been on the other side of you. You can sit here and go, I'm a great person to have a conversation with. How do you know? You don't know if you spit when you're having a conversation. You don't know if you talk about yourself more than you should. Nobody wants to be around somebody who always wants to talk about themselves and their issues and their problems and what they need. You want to clear a room out real quick? You follow that one right there. I'm a great boss. How do you know? I'll tell you how you know. Stick a microphone in your break room. Some of you are like, "Mm -mm -mm." (laughs) Listen, if you want to start changing the world, start praying. God, help me see what it's like to be on the other side of me. If you really want to change the world and you understand that it starts with you, God, help me see what it's like to be on the other side of me. Everybody say examine. All right, number three. Adjust what you applaud. Adjust it. What you applaud. Think about where we are in society. Think about all the things that are on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, all the things the world says. Applaud this. This is amazing. We make divorce look like it's just, it's Hollywood. Those of us that have been through it know, ain't no Hollywood in it. Let's jump back into the story. Adjust what you applaud. The disciples are in the middle of a heated debate on who's the greatest, and this is what happens. John 13. 3 and 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put, put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want us to try to put ourselves in the middle of that scene. Can we just travel back, back? Back to the days of the Last Supper. Here's the disciples arguing who's the greatest. And I just gotta, I know we laugh at that, but I just gotta tell you, church, <laughs> that's us. Is our church better than that church? Are we doing more stuff? Are we keeping up with the Joneses? Are we keeping up, are we keeping up with? Well, they did this, so we need to do that. It's us. 
Here they are fighting, and Jesus quietly removes himself from the conversation, removes his outer garment, grabs a towel, puts some water in a basin, and what's he do? He goes and begins to wash their feet. In that moment, do you think it was any question in the room who the greatest was? You think there was any question in that moment to those in the room of who the leader really was? It's the guy with the towel and the water basin on the dirty ground washing their nasty feet. You see, what Jesus is doing in this moment, they want to know who the greatest is. He's like, I'm trying to get you to adjust what it is that you're applauding. I'm trying to give you a new definition of greatness. Because the world cheers for power. And the world claps for fame. And Jesus was saying, I have all power. All power and authority has been given to me in the entire universe. And my definition of greatness is to spend all of my life loving and serving and laying down my life for people. That's You want to be great? Be the least. I, I wish they were here today. Uh, Allie and Delexon. Out of all the weddings I've done, I've never seen this done. Right in the middle of their ceremony. I mean, it was pre-planned. There was a water basin there with a chair. And he wanted his spouse to know what the rest of their life would look like. And he took off her beautiful slipper and began to wash her feet. This was an outside wedding, by the way, in Florida. Where am I going with this? It don't matter how pretty you are as a bride. Them toes in the sweaty Florida heat. But he said, I will serve you as I serve him for the rest of my life. And Amy Weber, I'm sorry about your mottos. I will serve you for the rest of my life as I serve him. Listen. God doesn't care, God, excuse me, God doesn't celebrate what people tend to elevate. Kardashians and selling sunset and $50 million mansions. We, we applaud the platform, God applauds the process. We cheer for fame, God cheers for fruit. 1 Samuel 16. Seven says this, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's why I will never be the carbon copy look. I'll never have the carbon copy look that a pastor should have. I love to go into businesses and, 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 and strike up a conversation. It always leads to, well, what do you do for a living? And I say pastor, and they look, me, look at me and they're like, I would have never guessed it. And I'm just like, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Listen, God would rather you have integrity than influence. Why? Because to an impure heart, influence is a drug. Did you hear what I said? To a heart that's impure, having influence, all the likes on Facebook, that's a drug. 
Because you always go to Facebook every morning. How many likes did I get? How many people did? How many people shared? How many? How many? How many? How many? That's because the world has trained us to applaud the fame when God is just saying, I need to see the fruit in your life. What am I saying? Adjust what you applaud. Number four, heart. Next letter is R. Rest on the grace that saved you. Rest on the grace that saved you. Why? Because it will be the same grace that saved you that will be needed to sustain you. Too many Christians. I got saved. Thank you for your amazing grace that got me out of all that. But you think you're going to continue on without that same grace? After Jesus washes his disciples' feet, his tone now changes again as he drops a pretty heavy bomb on them. And he says, in the middle of speaking, he says, when he's talking about Judas, he said, and one of you tonight is going to betray me. John 13, 22. <laughs> this is good. Y'all get ready. Lean in. His disciples stared at one another. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, is one of y'all going to betray me? His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of Stared at one another at, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, this was John, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to, to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? So what the picture that I'm trying to paint is, Jesus says, one of y'all are going to betray me. Peter goes into panic mode. You ever been to panic mode? Jesus, uh, Peter goes into freak out mode. And John, the beloved, is leaning against Leaning next to Jesus. Jesus just drops this big news on the boys, and Peter goes into panic problem-solving mode. Now, this is the same John. Everybody say John. This is the same John who years later would write 1 John 3.19, and it says, This is how we know that we belong to truth, and how we set our hearts at rest. Where? In his presence. When you come in here and we spend 25 minutes in his presence, the way, the way, the, I can't put it together. The way you'll know that you belong to him and you're striving to follow him is that you can lay all of that stress and you can, even though it was heavy on the way in, in his presence, you can release it. Come on, somebody. Rest on the grace that saved you. Do y'all remember the scene in Jurassic Park? I wish Tegan was in here. He'd know exactly what G-Dad's talking about. Y'all remember the scene in Jurassic Park where, where T-Rex uh, 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 was, was on a vengeance and was just going crazy? And, the, uh, and all the kids and, and, and the doc, Dr. Grant, they, they climbed up in a tree. They climbed up in a sycamore tree. No, no another story. Different story. Different story. And, 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 the, and the little girl said um, they needed to go to sleep. And, 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 and the little girl looked at Dr. Grant and said, but Dr. Grant, what, what, if, what, if, the, what if the dinosaur comes back? And he said... I'll stay awake. And she said, all night? He said, all night. It's called going to sleep and realizing that the world keeps spinning even when you're not available to it. But God, what about this? But God, what about that? Listen, Jesus is saying today, it's okay. Rest. One of the most spiritual things you can do, write this down, you're going to love this one. One of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap. Listen, rest your heart. Because God is saying to you today, go to sleep. Yeah, but what if, what if I'll stay awake? How long? For all eternity. 
in closing. Rest is a form of worship because we're honoring the one who never rests. The entire story of the gospel, as the music softly plays, is locked into the posture of two individuals. One guy is resting on grace, that was John, and the other tried to earn it. If I can just figure out who it is, if I can manage this, then I can, I can make it right. Hate what is hurting you, examine what's within you, adjust what you applaud, rest on the grace that saved you, and number five, take Jesus at his word. Take Jesus at his word. Jesus told his disciples three times, point blank, I'm going to be arrested. They're going to murder me. I will be killed. I will be crucified, but I will conquer the grave. Stay with me. The most, the most riveting part of this whole message today is in the next few moments, and I'm done. It's what he told them. He gave them all the information, and John, listen, he told them, one, two, three, this is how it's going to happen. Did you know that John, out of all of the disciples left, John was the only one that made it to Golgotha, to the cross, to Calvary? He was the only disciple that made it, that showed up to witness. None of them showed, listen, it gets, it gets even better. They had spent three years with Jesus, saw him do miracle, fed 5,000. And when he said, in three days, I'll, I'll, ra I'll raise myself up, not a single disciple showed up at the grave. We got to take Jesus at his word, people, family. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. Hear me. Salvation is completely free. But if you truly want to see the glory of God, you need to cultivate a heart that takes Jesus at his word. In your finances, in your relationships, go to his word. Find out how he wants your finances to be done. Go to his word. Find out how he wants you to have relationships. Go to his word. Find out how he wants you to be a spouse, husband or a wife. Go to his word. Let's see how we're supposed to train up our kids. The parent who spares the rod hates his child. You don't spank him? I know I'm, I'm, I'm on shaky ground right now. But take him at his word. You don't discipline, you hate your kid. You may not like what I just said, but it's the word. You, we can't be the church that says, well, I like that part. We'll read that, but take the other part out. I, dude, I... I got, I got goosebumps. Why? Because I'm going up against all the stuff the world is saying, no, 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 no. Don't you do that's, that's my place. Well, then, then handle the business then. That's for us in this house. That's for, that's for Christians. Listen, that's for Christians. No, no mistake. Because unless you know the truth, you don't know. But you know the truth. I'm never going to be, I'm never going to be the pansy preacher that waters it down 
so that you can digest. That's not going to get me a bunch of likes. I probably had 10 people, if they even joined, fall off Facebook Live as soon as I said it. My email is probably going to town right now like a lotto machine. That was wrong, Pastor Bean. I'll never say anything. I'm moving. I'll never say anything that's not in his word. And I I would do you a disservice if I don't preach the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Listen, I'm going to leave you with this. Jesus walks out of the tomb. I'm done. Jesus walks out of the tomb, and one one of the first things Jesus does is he goes and finds Peter. Where was Peter? Peter was fishing. He yells to Peter and Peter comes to shore. They have breakfast together on the beach. And as as the recently resurrected Messiah, Jesus reinstates Peter and reminds him, you are who I say you are, Peter. My grace is all... This is the guy that said, I don't know him. He didn't show up at the cross. He didn't show up at the tomb. But Jesus went to where he was. And today, he's, Jesus is, God is all up in wherever you are today. He said, you are who I say you are, Peter. My grace is all you need. And you can, you can take me at my word. Now, go feed my sheep. Translation, go and, and start my church. Because Jesus and Peter had that conversation, you and I are here today in this room. And other churches in our city are gathered there because of two people had one conversation. Where Jesus reinstated him and said, I know you blew it. Not once, not twice, three times, but you're reinstated. You, the one that everybody else would discredit and say you're not worthy and you're not eligible. You, Peter, go start my church. Listen, Release City Church, because of Peter, the world has never been the same. And I'm here today to tell you, if you'll be the one that says, I want change, I want to to be a part of changing the world, but change has to start with me. Listen, if one person said yes, that was Peter, imagine what all of us, imagine what could happen in our city. I'm done, I'm done, I'm not trying to drag it out. Imagine what could happen if all of us said change starts with me. Change starts with me. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come.